Hello, and welcome to our episode of the Health Disparities Podcast, conversations about health disparities with people who are working to eliminate them across the country. I am your host, Dr. Bonnie Simpson-Mason, and this week we are recording our conversations at the National Harbor in Maryland, where we are enjoying a program replete with speakers and workshops at the annual Movement is Life Caucus. Over the last year, Movement is Life has begun running a series of grassroots programs called Operation Change in both rural and urban settings. We are delighted to have leaders from these programs here with us at the caucus who are sharing their experiences with us for the podcast. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing um, and having a conversation with one of my great friends, Ms. Kristen Zollicoffer, who is the program director at the Chicago Operation Change Program over the last couple of years. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. So good to talk with you, Bonnie. Absolutely. Dr. Mason. <laughs> we go way back. So, um, Kristen, how many years has Operation Change been running in Chicago? It's been several years, actually. I've been the overseer for just the past two, but it, there were a few, and I believe it originated, actually, Absolutely. in Chicago with Dr. Yushika Watkins. It did. It did. Some time ago, Movement is Life has been in place for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So somewhere along this span, Operation Change started in uh, Chicago with some of the very, I think, the first two locations, mm -hmm. both an African-American site and a Latina site. You're right. Okay, absolutely. So tell us, how effective was the Operation Change program in Chicago this year? How many enrollees did you have? Tell us about this year's experience. Sure. So we actually wanted 50 attendees. So when we did our recruiting, we recruited up to 70, we, we recruited up to several hundred, but we allowed 75 to actually enroll, knowing that there's a bit of attrition. Sure. So then we had 47 to continually come through the program each week. So um, it was absolutely fantastic. It was three times the number of um, enrollees that we had from the previous year. Oh, we wow. had an average of between 14 and 16 each week come for the previous year. So we were able to triple that attendance. Well, that's making a tremendous impact. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic, actually. And it was what was amazing was that we tried something new this year for recruiting methods. What was that? We actually went on Facebook. Mm. So most of it the year before had been word of mouth and really passing out postcards um, by foot and face-to-face. Um, and -face. So this year, um, one of our co-directors, Lacey Bailey, she started up a Facebook page and she really had administered all of the administration efforts to it. And the women just flocked. You, I was surprised, honestly surprised, at how many older women were looking for community mm -hmm, support mm -hmm. and, and really something to do for themselves yes. on Facebook. Oh, wow. Also in a safe space, right? Then that community on Facebook. That could have been what it was, too. It was, it was a bit of, the, you can hear in the verbiage and how it's written that it's someone who you can relate to, mm -hmm. someone who looks like you, who talks like you, and who comes from the same community and background. I believe that was one of the main attractions. Awesome. One question in reference to Facebook. Did you all keep the Facebook group going throughout the 18 weeks? We did. And... So I believe our following is up to mid-300 right now. Wow. 
just for followers. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. And we had to turn folks away when we capped our registration at 75. Mm-hmm. But then they continued to follow us on Facebook. Oh. So on the weekly postings for the stories and even some of the attendees who would come each week, they would post and share their story. So I can only imagine the interest for future programs. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. that's a, that was a new mode of engagement for Operation Change with that demographic, right? Yes, and some there were some naysayers to think that, you know, it's, maybe it wouldn't work, but it's actually a very successful program. Oh, that's Outreach awesome. Outreach method. Awesome. Well, that could be another component for the areas where people may use social media, might be willing to. That's another way to keep communication going between sessions even. I agree. And, and facilitate community. Mm-hmm. That's great. So what would you say were um, some of the uh, more unique characteristics of either of the speakers you brought in to Chicago to meet the needs of the women in Chicago versus uh, maybe some of the other areas? What were some of the things you saw were unique to your program that you thought might be uh, important to share? Well, because of where we're located, I believe it was easier to find race concordant subject matter experts who were also African-American, who were women, who were specialists, whether it was who were physicians or social workers, or um, there was one um, woman, and she's a psychologist, but she graduated from University of Chicago, practiced on the north side of Chicago, and from Chicago. So you're, you're getting homegrown, mm-hmm. really understanding folks who come from the same community that you're in mm-hmm. and are still subject matter experts. That's an ideal location in Chicago. That's one of the niches that we have. Okay. So um, we had a wide range of speakers this year. We didn't duplicate most of them from the year before. We had some duplicates, but because there is such a wide option, Mm-hmm. For Chicago professionals, we didn't have to duplicate this year that much. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Any of the presentations stick out to you in your mind as being either best received or most talked about or maybe, um, I won't say controversial, but any of the ones, any, any that stick out in your mind? What comes to mind, and it's interesting because Dr. Gregory Primus, mm-hmm. he is a longtime friend of Movement is Life, okay. and he's an orthopedic surgeon played for the Chicago Bears, mm-hmm. was, I believe, the first African-American man trained at University of Chicago, Chicago. School, Medical School for orthopedics. I believe that's the case. And, but his talk wasn't just about orthopedics. Okay. It was really about history of black people. Mm. And talking to the women about how to advocate for themselves at the doctor. Nice. And he had a heart-to-heart to talk with the women. <laughs> And it wasn't what they expected and what they normally get from a physician or a yes. provider. Okay. It was eye to eye, male to female. <laughs> yes. So you know, black folk, black women respond. You know, they respond <laughs> to a strong black man telling them, Okay, this is what you need to do. Right. And right. so they actually um had a great conversation. And it was controversial, but it worked out really, really well. Awesome. Wow, so that shows the impact of a powerful speaker, um, and especially them seeing you know, this physician, this surgeon in a different light. But again, once again, 
someone who's working in the community, who went to school in the community, where there's some concordance in really teaching that advocacy. So I, that, that sounds huge. So tell us or share with us a couple of the, you know, maybe the testimonials from one or two of your participants, you know, that really brought it home to, for you how important Operation Change was for them there in Chicago. I'm gonna try my best not to get emotional. <laughs> no, we've, we've been crying on other podcasts today, so we're try good. my best. <laughs> so two come to mind. Okay. And so there was a there was one participant, and she would come in, and every single time they would come in for this year, we would make sure we give them a big hug. Oh. Huge hug, like a mom hug, right? And so she's probably in her mid-60s. And there were times when she couldn't do the movement. <clears throat> she was saying her back really hurt. So we would make sure she had a chair, even rub her back a little bit. And she was appreciative. So maybe seventh week, she said, you all don't know, you all saved my life. Those were her exact words. So we just hugged her and said, we know, you know, laugh it off and give her a big hug and sure. say, we'll see you next Saturday. Sure, <laughs> right? sure. So at the end of the program, we had a recognition ceremony, the last day, eight, at the end of the 18 weeks. <clears throat> and we had a few recognition awards. One of them was Most Grit. And we awarded her the Most Grit Award. And one, she wasn't expecting it. And she just crumbled into tears. Aww. So we said, um, come on up and share a few words if you want. So she came up, and she shared what we never knew. She says, I'm recently clean from being on drugs. We were shocked. And she was saying that she would be in so much pain, but she refused to take anything, including aspirin or Tylenol, because it was a slippery slope for her. So she would be in the bed, she would sleep in the bed, she would take her dinner to bed, she would watch TV in bed, and it would be so hard for her to wake up and get out of bed the next morning. But she looked forward to coming to Operation Change every single Saturday. And she says, you all wouldn't know this, but the hugs you all gave me, it would be the only time someone touched me all week. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, and so she was, she was powerful. Right. <clears throat> and we appreciated her story. And then there was another woman where, um, so she came to the program last year, but she wasn't able to finish. And it was because she lost her son, her only child. And he was a young adult. So she was heartbroken. So she stopped coming to the program last year. So this year she came and she didn't miss a day. She maybe missed one day. So, she, so we said we wanted to recognize her, too, for even coming back and finishing the program. Yes. And on the last day of the recognition, we had told folks, feel free to bring someone, whether it's a family member or a loved one or a friend, someone who can celebrate this journey with you that in your accomplishment of a completion yes. and graduation, right? Yes. So she was one of the few who brought a male. And when she came up, you know, through her tears, she said, you know, and these are her words, these are her words. She said, I brought my baby daddy. <laughs> and she said, he's seen me throughout this entire 18 weeks, 
grow and develop and overcome my grief. Mm. And he said, I wish I had a program for me. Oh, wow. So it was powerful. That's just two of the stories that really are front and center for me. But these women, they would sleep better. They started wearing their sleep apnea, um, their CPAP mask. mask. They would um, have decreased pain. They would move better. One sister who completed the program last year, she brought two of her sisters this year. One who has is very young, but she has a severe case of dementia. So she was questioning whether or not she should bring her to the program because she um, travels week to week from sibling to sibling under their care. But she was so excited that this program program worked for her. So with the Fitbit, she said she would walk in place if she had to, would do whatever she had to do to get her 10,000 or 11,000 steps for the day. She was so excited. She was engaged. She started remembering more. It was just this powerful. This is the sister with dementia. Yes. What? Yes. Wow. It was powerful. And of course, this is non-invasive. It's non-clinical, sure, sure. Yeah. right? Yeah. So this is just fulfilling an emotional need for them. And I tell you, and even the data that we collect, they're filling it out. So it's subjective to a degree, right? Sure. But it's based on their perception. And I feel as though when they felt like they were healing themselves or empowering themselves, yes. that helped to also heal their body. So they're not really words to express <laughs> the power of those testimonials, but... Um, you know, I, I think it speaks to the power of, because um, this was a huge effort, 47 people this is a huge effort, but it speaks to the power of change, you know, in one community for these 47 um, lives, which now are going on to affect the other people and their families, their communities um, there in Chicago, especially in a place where, you know, it's a big city, but you may not have connections. And so I hear, you know, the facilitation of connections um, as well, even in the, in the testimonials. You bring to mind another story. There was another woman, and this was earlier on. So we would have an hour of subject matter experts, then an hour of movement, then an hour of motivational interviewing. Okay. Well, one of the women who we brought in as a movement specialist, she was actually a breathing specialist. And so she worked on breathing exercises to calm you, to soothe you, mm. to oxygenate you. And it was to increase your movement. And she would work through exercises to warm your spine up, to warm your body up. And one woman, she says, literally a couple weeks into the program, she also said the exact same words, you all saved my life. She said, because I get to pass on what I knew. She says, I have to, I pass that on to my daughters. And they're usually so dramatic, <laughs> she says, but I've teach, taught them to breathe. Mm. So you're exactly right. It's passing on. They're affecting their communities. They're affecting, impacting their families. And they're impacting themselves. Well, well, I mean, maybe we don't always know what the, in we know what the intended consequences or outcomes are that we want to see you know, come to fruition as a result of these programs. But I think these testimonials that you're sharing today 
I mean, I think they go far and beyond and supersede whatever you could think or imagine from the very, you know, uh, inception of the program. So I know, you know, Verona uh, Bruton, who is the director of Minority Initiatives and kind of, this is her brainchild, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, has to be, but I mean, just more than moved about all of this change that's being affected across the country. Um, and especially in the program where it all started in Chicago. Oh, moved and probably more inspired and motivated to do more. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so well, you know that happened, how that happens, the, the whip comes out. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, well, you know, so it, it just speaks to the whole name, right? Movement is life. Absolutely. A catalyst for change, mm -hmm. right? So um, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing. We can't take any more of your story. So we're going to wrap up. <laughs> podcast. I understand. Thank Kristen Zalikoff, Program Director from the Chicago Operation Change Program. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And we'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in to yet another Health Disparities podcast. Join us again at movementislifecaucus.com or you can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. New episodes post every two weeks, so look out for our special series featuring additional thought leaders from our partner organizations, all of whom are working to decrease healthcare disparities and increase health equity with power and passion. Thank you. Thank you.